Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, who will be number one on Mike Jarecki's list of the top 50 draft prospects in 2021? Now, it's not a surprise, but you may be surprised who lands at number two and three as he unveils his final 10-player grouping. Speaking of the draft, GM Steve Kime and head coach Cliff Kingsbury held their annual pre-draft presser. what they say? And maybe more importantly, did they say anything of substance? Teams tend to be very vague during this time of year, and for good reason. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 416, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealu and Mike Jarecki. One week out, MJ. The countdown is on, though if we're being honest, I think the countdown has been on for quite some time. Every year, I'm amazed at how the draft just seems to take over the sports world, and it certainly has taken over everything here in 2021. I just think when you have the internet and so many different sites and, you know, some sites you got to go there and, and, and go through it. And, uh, you know, some sites will, will list all, all 32 players. So, I mean, it's a big business and good for those people that are able to, uh, you know, work. And But at the end of the day, they really don't have any idea like we don't what's going to happen. I mean, that's the NFL draft. And I, you know, scouts can leak information, you know, around the league. That usually happens around the Combine, the Senior Bowl, maybe some Pro Days. But at the end of the day, the scouts aren't making the picks. And some of them aren't even in the room at the time of that pick. That's always an important distinction. And sometimes you get those stories after the fact that, you know, they set the board and this is what we're going to do. And all of a sudden on draft day, they realize, well, the board is completely different because no one trusts anyone, even in your own building. So it's a fun time of year and it is almost over. And with that in mind, as they do each and every year, GM Steve Kime and head coach Cliff Kingsbury spoke to the media this week. And how about MJ, we translate exactly what they had to say. They spoke and what does it mean, if any at all? Bird Gang, though, there was this one news item, and I don't think there was any other news that came out as far as, quote unquote, hey, this is something that you need to pay attention to. Because as the question was asked, the elephant in the room, Larry Fitzgerald, no new news. As Kingsbury said, quote, they discuss golf investments and Phoenix Suns basketball when he and Fitz speak. In other words, they're allowing him to take as much time as he needs if and when he decides to play in 2021. You know, anytime that we talk about drafting a receiver or possibly maybe going out and sign another veteran guy, depending on the numbers are, usually they bring 10 to 12, 14 to camp, and, you know, sometimes the back of the roster special teams. So I had this gentleman on Twitter say, um, what's the latest on Fitz? And the Cardinals need to know before the draft, and he owes it to the fans to let us know when he's going to retire. I didn't respond, Craig. <laughs> and nor should you have. That was uh, I, I, look. I all, thought I thought I thought he needed to. I thought they the team needed to know ahead of free agency. That was obviously not the case. And the draft at this point, it's like 
you're drafting players that you hope to have on your roster for years to come. And with Fitz, it's been year to year over the last handful of seasons. So uh, what the Cardinals do, and I'll say this, and Berg gang, mark it down. If the Cardinals do draft a wide receiver in the first round, this does not close the door on Larry Fitzgerald. There is only one person closing the door on Larry Fitzgerald, and that is Fitz himself. He either walks through that door and says, I want to play, or he doesn't. It's that simple. Well said. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's any more we can add. I'm just telling you, I don't think a decision is pending. Um, he can wake up one day and feel good and say, I want to play. And then, you know, two days later, okay. Because well, I don't think people realize this is a big decision. Now, the last couple of years, it's been earlier. And, you know, he's mapped out what his offseason is going to look like. Clearly, he wasn't traveling as much. But you make this decision, you gotta, you, you're all in, whether it's retiring and, you know, obviously having a lot of downtime and we know he's he's very busy and, you know, obviously raising his, his boys here. So it's a big decision and we should just give him his patience. I mean, what's the hurry if he shows up in July or August? I mean, as long as the Cardinals are aware and they would be the first to know, including Michael Bidwell. So at this point in time, it's, it's just kind of minutiae. We wake up one morning and we'll have the news. And that's kind of how I've been operating since maybe probably mid-March to which, I mean, at that point it's like, okay, he's just going to make his decision when he makes his decision. Speaking of decisions, the Cardinals with an important decision and not just at number 16, but they have six draft picks. Just a couple of key points on what Kime had to say earlier and the fact that he admitted that there is quote a lot of forecasting being done this year more than any other year because of the lack of a combine the opt-outs he would prefer if you're going to put some odds onto it more likely to trade down from number 16 as opposed to trade up and he did name positions as far as where there is great depth maybe not top tier depth but when you look at the draft overall, that would be wide receiver, that would be cornerback, outside linebacker, and inside linebacker. And those latter two positions, the linebacker position, we don't talk a lot about. We focus on wide receiver, we focus on corner because that is premium positions. And yeah, outside linebacker is a premium position, but it's not top heavy if you will, Kime is echoing what director of player personnel Drew Grigson said on the Big Red Rage recently, that top to bottom edge rusher is very deep here in 2021. And we'll get a chance to get into a linebacker when I go through my top 10, just based on the lack of draft capital or capita. Um, you know, it's just, that's, I mean, that, Good teams have to try to find a way because, you know, after 49, they're sitting there for over 111 picks and a lot of good players are going to be coming off the board that they invested in just like any other team. But I've always thought that would be an option. Now, if one of those top three receivers are there, I think it's going to be tough um, to leave them on the board. If one of those top two or three corners you spoke about fairly today, and then you throw in uh, JC Horn and Patrick Sertain, you know, so um, again, it's easier said than done. You need a trade partner. And who are they moving up for? Because you hope that's not the guy you're looking to get. And they're not moving up for a tight end. They're not moving up for a wide receiver. The Cardinals are not in position to move up, no matter what mock drafts have to say. There are thousands of mock drafts out there. 
read them, enjoy them. It's for entertainment purposes only. There is no news value in any of these mock drafts as far as I know something you don't. These people know nothing. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, I, again, we, we've, every year we should just rewind the show, but you know, this year we're talking about different prospects and you know, I think the Cardinals are in a good spot, you know, depending on how many quarterbacks go and offensive linemen, including a guard and wide receivers, corners, um, you know, we'll see, you know, when the first linebacker comes off, but I think they're in a good spot. You know, you'd hate to be maybe at 19 or 20 where now you're picking. And again, I don't want to get fixated on the third or second, fourth player in that position because we don't know how they have players ranked. So I think they're in a good spot. And if they can move down and get an extra three, I think that will go a long way. And now the question becomes, how far do you move down? And yeah, and if you can acquire maybe not a second round pick, but maybe a third or fourth, because right now the Cardinals don't have a pick in either the third or fourth round. We do have your top 10 draft prospects still to come, but uh, on the items as far as wide receiver and corner, because you brought up a couple of names, and let's go with Caleb Farley, who is one of those top three corners, and some people believe the number one corner if it wasn't for his injury history, as far as specifically the back issue and the back surgery. Kime said he did like Farley a lot, but that was as far as he would go. And then he kind of deferred as far as the medical side of it to the doctors, the training staff. They have final say when it comes to these players who have injury concerns. Is the risk worth the reward? And that's a big question, maybe even a bigger question when you're talking about a first round draft pick as opposed to a day two or day three selection. And we're also including a back injury, a, a disc. A dislocated disc and so again he went to the best uh, doctor for that he's performed other surgeries but it's not like he's coming off an acl so i still think you know he's worthy of being picked in the first round but if you're watching the draft and you see greg newsom go from northwestern or another corner asante samuel from florida state then there's a reason why now maybe a team says if i'm picking in the top 20 or 25 we're not touching them now it gets late first round um, and you have multiple picks, maybe in the second round, you take him, you get that fifth year option. But if you see him dropping, that's the reason. But at some point, I don't think he's going to drop to where, you know, where he's, I still think he'll be a first or a second day pick, which is the first three rounds. Now it's just a matter of, you know, and he claims he'll be ready and it's important. Um, and, and he'll go in there with a chip on his shoulder because if you base everything in, in February, even January, he was one of the top corners coming out. You had him number 25 on your own personal big board, and I think a lot of that is because of the back surgery and the fact that he opted out of this past season. Another issue that general managers like Kime are dealing with because there's been an entire season of football played without any tape on a lot of these players. And as Kime said, well, they dig a little deeper. You look at 2019 tape, 2018 tape, and then you have to forecast to use his term. And that's what a lot of this is in any other year, but more so here in 2021. Well, and, you know, usually, you know, they'll get 350 uh, guys invited to the combine. But when you start to get to the fifth, sixth and seventh round, there's no medical stuff on some of these small school guys or division two football. And they're hoping just to get a tryout in the rookie mini camp. So 
Um, again, he, you know, more bite at the apple, more opportunities. He mentioned the lottery, more tickets, more opportunities, and more winning. So if I had to sit here today, I do think trading down the first round would be a, a, an option. Outside of corner wide receiver, a lot of discussion on that. Kime said, quote, it's a really deep receiver class. And I think we've seen that over the last couple of weeks when we've broken down your top 50 draft prospects. Kime believes five to six wide receivers could be drafted in the first round. And then he kind of broke down the top three and then gave a comp. And that's what you like to do, MJ, as far as a side-by-side -side comparison traits. Not, hey, I'm forecasting this player to be X player and that X player is a pro bowler, a perennial all pro, a hall of famer. No, no, just traits. And Devontae Smith, and the one issue that has popped up is the fact that he weighed a buck sixty-six in Indianapolis. And Kime brought the size up and mentioned Marvin Harrison. Well, that strikes close to home for me because I covered Marvin at Syracuse. And yes, he was he was tall and lanky. He was a string bean, but he could be very fast, very elusive, and then he was catching the ball in the open field. He would not be caught. He also returned punts, which showed his versatility. And we know he had a Hall of Fame career. So can that 166 balloon to 175, 188 over time? Yes, but I admit, MJ, when I heard and saw 166, I'm like, geez, I've got 20 pounds on this kid. Now, I'm not nearly as athletic, but... 166, how are you supposed to get off the line of scrimmage when you've got a corner pushing you backwards? I mean, what? I guess that's the question. It's like, what, what's his strength? How strong is he? Because obviously he doesn't have the weight to back that up. Well, you can teach speed, and he gets off the line of a scrimmage, and now they did move him around a little bit. I don't know if he's a slot guy, an X guy, or a guy that you can uh, put in multiple uh, formations, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of small guys in the NFL. I mean, and, and when you get a six foot four, six four five linebacker, they it's hard for them to go down and make those tackles. So, um, I think it was Howie Roseman said yesterday that you know some things come in certain packages, and you know, they're not going to discriminate anybody's uh, size. And Philadelphia could be a team that's looking for a receiver. But you know, talking about Jalen Waddle there, I mean, he's he's a guy that can return punts, and that's something I think the Cardinals would like to address. Clearly, you're not drafting him on that, but the more you can do, the better you're going to be uh, available on game day. And the cop that Kime used with Waddle was Steve Smith, another smaller wide receiver, but certainly played very, very physical and had a very long career. Jamar Chase, the number one wide receiver in this class. It was an interesting comp from Kime, Andre Johnson, which... You know, you don't hear a lot about, but he certainly had a tremendous career during that limited number of years he was playing for the Houston Texans. But that certainly opened up some eyes and I think gives everyone a different idea on what Jamar Chase could be in the National Football League. He's my uh, top receiver in this draft. And, you know, I was, I was curious to see his comp and maybe I thought a little bit of bold and now Anquan didn't have the speed, nor, nor was he drafted in the top five. He went in the second round and was rookie of the year uh, with the Cardinals. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think Chase and I'm, I'm a big Waddle fan I'm nothing against Smith. Um, I think the Cardinals got enough of those guys right now with not, maybe not the speed in, uh, in the big playability between Christian Kirk and Isabella and, you know, we'll see what they do here. So I, I think there's room for a wide receiver, whether it happens on the first or second day, we'll, I guess we'll find out. 
Now, Kai mentioned another wide receiver. He was kind of asked a broad question about the wide receiver class, and he named the top three. Well, we all know the top three, but then he added Rashad Bateman, which is not among the top three. And Bird Gang, if you want to dissect and translate and kind of figure out, read between the lines what that might mean, I don't think it's going to be a pick at number 16, but perhaps if you trade down a little bit, Bateman could be a pick in the 20s. But that was an interesting name because anytime a general manager brings up a name that is not associated with what we hear and talk about on Cardinals Cover 2 or other shows or through the media, all of a sudden it your, your, your ears perk up just a little bit. Bateman out of Minnesota, 6-2-209, number 26 on your big board. He does have great speed and he's got some long arms. So perhaps maybe in the 20s, is where a Bateman would go. And the Cardinals, obviously, you trade down, get some picks, and Rashad Bateman's your guy. Yeah, according to Pro Football Focus, they have Jamar Chase, number one, Devontae Smith, number two, Jalen Waddle three, Rashad Bateman, four, and then Elijah Moore, number five. And Kaim didn't mention the Florida young man, but he didn't mention him by name. Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony, And you're starting to see his name a little bit late first round, early second round. It's uh, always fascinating because, again, I, I joked about it earlier as far as all these mocks, but there are people that this is what they do for a living, and you don't want to be wrong, yet we know that the success rate on mock drafts is not very good. In fact, I love this. Mark Dalton, Cardinal Senior VP of Media Relations, tweets this out every single year around this time, and he always keeps track. He tweeted, Annual reminder, mock drafts are great fun, but not necessarily as forecasts. Cardinals have 16th pick in 2021. Last year, Clemson corner A.J. Terrell went 16th overall to the Falcons. In review of 55 prominent final 2020 mocks, only Bucky Brooks had Terrell to Atlanta at 16. A 1 and 55 shots, and as Dalton did the math, that's 1.8%. I, I look forward to his uh, yearly uh, tweets. Now, there, there was a report out there from, uh, I think it was Matt Miller, who does a good job, and now he's, he's, he's spread his wings a little bit more on ESPN. Um, but he, he said that what he was hearing is the Cardinals are trying to trade up for a wide receiver. Well, I think we could squash that right now. And he's also the same guy a couple years ago at the Combine said that if Matt Barkley was on the board at seven, the Cardinals would run up to the podium. So that wasn't accurate. But again, this is what happens. Um, you know, people try to leak stuff and then, and then people will talk about it. And really it's speculation, hypotheticals, and it never comes true. Yeah. You always have to figure out what, out there. Who, who, and who benefits when yeah. stuff like this is out. Is it, is it the player that you think benefits or is it the team trying to use a media member to say, hey, let's talk up this guy so someone else drops to them? It's still this big back and forth. It's this big game. I do like those that, and I think there are two specifically, Peter King and Albert Breer. They do one and one mock draft only. And it's usually the week of, or in Albert Breer's case, I think it's the day before or the day of. And that, I think, you know, you take all this inventory, everything that you've read, what you've heard, and then try to figure out your top 32 picks. 
But these that have 4.0 and six, seven different mocks, well, sure, combine them all and you've got all 32 selections right. Come on. Well, Rick, Rick Goslin, Dallas Morning News, he's retired Pro Football Hall of Famer, uh, inducted into the Pro Football uh, for the Writers Association. He does, he does, I think he would do three mocks and then one before the night of the draft. Bob McGinn, who's covered the Packers for a, lot, a while, he's doing his own thing right now. And these guys, they had connections. They would be able to call a GM at night and say, give me three names. And, you know, sometimes they would probably mislead them, but they'd give them three names. And then, they, you know, but they, they, they were trusted. And so there's only a few. I mean, I think when I talk to people around the league, Daniel Jeremiah, nothing against Lewis Riddick, but Jeremiah worked as a scout. He was in Philadelphia, I believe, with Howie Roseman. Then he was in Baltimore with Ozzie Newsome. And you can just, like he did his media hit today or yesterday, and you could just tell, you know, that how, because he was asked, why do you have Mac Jones ranked 32nd on your board? when you're projecting him to go a little bit higher. And he said, it's just, when I rank the players, it, it, that's just how it works. I'm not picking for a team. I'm ranking all the players and I see what fits. And I think it fits with this, you know, possibly with the 49ers. So um, again, I, I enjoy it. I don't really sit down and look at them a ton. I just look at the names and hopefully when this is all said and done, the 50 names we brought up, you know, they'll become, you know, probably possibly Cardinal players. If not, you know, some, some of these guys you'll start to follow just because, you know, maybe the Cardinals had interest and you kind of judge people's careers as, as they unfold. Three more names to pass along. Rodney Hudson, DeAndre Hopkins, Marcus Golden, the Cardinals third round, fourth round and sixth round selections respectively in the 2021 NFL draft. Yes, I'm being a little facetious, but Kaim was asked about the lack of draft capital only having six picks, and he brought up Hudson and Hopkins because you give up picks to acquire a player, that player is on your roster, so let's not discount those three names when we look at the 2021 draft class. I think he would love to have a third or a fourth round pick. I think I'm stating the obvious and, you know, just based on what we know about Hop and Hudson, just based on, you know, everything we've heard and watched, you know, watch what he did in Oakland. Then he throw Marcus Golden. We don't know if any of these players will ever ha- reach that plateau. And it's not to say they can't do it. We know with that. We watch these guys for two or three years and we still don't know. It's the known versus the unknown, and more and more teams like the known and will be willing to give up a second, third round pick for that player who's been in the league four or five years because they're established. And with draft picks, even if you have a high draft pick, there is no certainty in this business, in this game, if you will. So not that it's going to go away, but there is a semblance of thinking out there, and we've seen it specifically with the with the Rams that look, let's just take talented players and try to win with those players. And yeah, it does affect salary cap and it becomes harder to build a roster. You can't do it with everyone on your roster, but some of those bigger names that the Rams have specifically, it costs them draft capital. And that's why they don't have a first round pick this year. Yeah. And, and you got to give ownership credit because they're, they're saying kind of what the Cardinals are doing. Hey, we're trying to win now. We'll kick the can down the road when it comes to the salary cap and, you know, dead money. So but that's that, that's the way now. I mean, listen, what Steve Kime did, 
Uh, moving on from Josh Rosen and Steve Wilkes in one season, I mean, you, teams aren't – I mean, Carson Wentz gets traded. Sam Darnold gets traded. I mean, teams are not as patient as they were. And if you don't have that guy, you have to move on. And it's all about winning now and very little building towards the future. Yes, you want sustained success, but very little patient these days. And that's just not the National Football League. That's across the board in all professional sports. It's what happened yesterday. I need it yesterday, not, hey, let's wait a year or two out. Uh-uh. We need to win now. Well, I think the NFL does a good job because of the salary cap and teams can spend – you know, up to a certain portion cash and then try to push some money down the road. But it's, it's, the NFL is about parity. The Cardinals finish 8-8 eight and eight and they're picking 16th overall. And we know teams can make the playoffs that missed the playoffs the previous season. So there's a lot of parity. I mean, we can look at, you know, the NFC and on paper, who, you know, who's going to be the better teams just based on the quarterback or maybe how long they've been in that system. And the AFC, I think it's more top-heavy. But that's the beauty of the NFL, you know. It's, it's parity across the board, and the league loves that. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Just ahead, Mike Jarecki's final 10-player grouping as we counted down the top 50 draft prospects in 2021. We are now at numbers 1 to 10. But first, a reminder, Bird Gang, Season 4 of the Emmy Award-winning series Cardinals Flight Plan, the premiere Thursday, April 22nd via the Cardinals YouTube channel. Flight plan takes you behind the scenes of the offseason, free agency, draft prep. It's a great series, and episode number one is titled Power Surge. Very simple. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of the action. Season four underway on Thursday, April 22nd. All right, MJ, we have finally reached the finish line, if you will, as far as counting it down from number 50. Elijah Molden, the cornerback out of Washington, was your 50th draft prospect. You've done a lot of work on this over the last several shows. Just go to the archives, azcardinals.com slash podcast if you missed any of the groupings because we've gone done 10 at a time, if you will. And now we're at our last 10. All right, before we jump in, you don't know this is coming, but I'm going to ask you, of all the names Kyle mentioned today, do you think one of those guys would be a Cardinal? Very interesting question, MJ. So we've got, well, he also talked Kyle Pitts. That's just not happening. He talked about three corners, the top three corners on the board, the top three wide receivers, and then added Rashad Bateman. Did he did he mention Vera Tucker? Or was he asked about it? Was that no no offensive okay. line discussion? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna play the field because that's that's eight names were mentioned by my count during the Kime Kingsbury media availability this week. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. No, he did not mention a name, a draft prospect that will be drafted by the Cardinals with the 16th overall pick, or even if they draft or if they trade down. That player will not be mentioned, had not, will not have been mentioned by Kime. I tend to agree with you. Didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I, you know, because the first thing people will do is go back and this is how he gave the scouting report. <laughs> uh, I like where you're headed. I like where you're going with that. It's, it'll be interesting to see. The other question that has to be asked now is we've got these 50 draft prospects in front of us. The Cardinals have two picks 
in the top 50, 16 and 49. And we'll have to go back and after the draft, kind of look at your list compared to what the Cardinals might have gotten and maybe some of the other names that were drafted either ahead of the Cardinals or right after the Cardinals. Fair enough. And we'll, we'll find out how many guys were drafted um, in the first two rounds. So that's what's 64 picks. We did 50. And, you know, there's going to be some surprises. Um, you know, when I look back, there's a couple guys I probably should have put in there. I, I do have some guys that I think could be options if they do trade down. So we'll just have to wait and see. All right, let's get into it. Counting down from number 10. And at number 10, a linebacker out of Penn State, Micah Parsons, consensus All-American and first team All-Big Ten selection in 2019, did not play in 2020. But here is someone as an inside linebacker might be in the mix for the Cardinals at number 16, but you have them as the top 10, number 10, and that's drafting or that's ranking all players, much like you referenced earlier, what Daniel Jeremiah does. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know if the, what Detroit's going to do. I mean, you would think they try to get some weapons. Do they need to protect golf? And do they take a quarterback and move up? But, you know, he, he looks like to me um, typical um, – Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick type player, and Patricia's back in New England right now. He's he's the defensive coordinator. We know Stephen Belichick's kind of run the show and Bill, but he, there is some red flags with him, and it happened during college. And I'm sure he's had to answer those questions. And so, you know, you look at it. You mentioned 6'3", 246, 31 and a half inch arms, hands eleven, coin to lens, Zerline. You know, he he he, he compares him to Miles Jack, and Miles Jack obviously. His performance, great inside and outside linebacker, prospect possessing NFL-ready frame and explosion speed that could make him a highly productive talent at the next level. Um, jarring production jump from freshman to sophomore season. Praised inside program for highly competitive nature. Can overcome mental mistakes with explosive athleticism. Gains instant drop, uh, depth drop in coverage. Now needs to work on his flexibility to find solo tackles. Lacks experience and patience to show on early diagnosis rushes himself out of position on an unnecessary uh, early charge changes. So I do think he's going to be a, a top 20 pick. I, you know, I, I think the Cardinals probably look still looking at wide receiver corner, but I think if they move down, they may consider an inside linebacker, but he's not on my radar. Now, according to an area scout for the AFC, I would play him at four, three weak side linebacker and early downs then send him to the edge or exotic looks on rushdowns. I just want to see a little bit more aggression from him, though. That was came from an AFC scout to Lance Zerline. I'll give Parson credit because I watched his interview after his pro day at Penn State, and, yeah, he addressed everything that has come up with him as far as off the field. And, Bergang, if you want to look it up, just Google it. It's not worth getting into here. He knows, and at that time, he was expecting to answer questions, and we'll have to address it. Then he added something interesting. He's like, you know, we've all been kids, and he's still a kid, but he believes he's matured. And then he added, and I'm paraphrasing that, if it was a concern for a team and still a concern at this point of his life, then he didn't want to be a part of that organization because they obviously didn't believe in him. So he knows the eyes are on him. And I think he's got a great attitude going into the next level. And he's got some work to do because that's always going to be hanging over his head. All right. Checking in at number nine. And we've got a run of Alabama players here. 
At number nine, wide receiver Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy and Bolitnikov winner last season. We talked about him earlier in the show, 166 pounds. But as Kime said, he reminds Kime of Marvin Harrison. It's not a bad comparison. No, 31.125 uh, arms, 9.25 uh, hands. I mean, you, you look at him, you know, the fact that he won the Heisman, the Bolitnikoff, and the Walter Camp Player of the Year awards, he was the first team Associated Press All-American and SCC Offensive Player of the Year. So he fills up the stat sheet. Now, I do think he's going to be a, one of the top wide receivers off the board, depending on what you like. Again, Jamar Chase, and then you throw in him in Waddle. Um you know, you start looking at the comparison, and the comparison's Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's off to a nice career, obviously having a guy like Julio on the same time. But he accepted an invitation to the Super Bowl but did not participate in practices or the game to, to an injury. Um, buttery smooth route runner with long, loose strides, um, equally effective on the outside or in the slot, uses sudden feet, forward lean and shoulder to turn, avoid the handsy uh, press urgent takeoff so he looks the part now the weaknesses are bone thin playing weight 160 pounds teams will have concerns about his frame and durability feisty but lacking average play strength can be forced against the sideline or an outside release because of his size if he doesn't get off practice coverage big nfl cornerbacks will come close to high point with windows on him according to a scout in the nfc he may be a beanpole he won't fail he won't fail off the field or fail on the field. These coaches rave about how wired he is and how much football means to him, unquote. Yeah, he was phenomenal this past season. And arguably, if you talk to those in the know, not even the best wide receiver last season on his own team. And yet he was the number one wide receiver in all of college football. More on that in a moment as we continue counting down from number 10, Mike Jarecki's top 50 draft prospects, the final 10 player grouping. In at number eight, Smith's teammate at Alabama on the defensive side, cornerback Patrick Sertan, unanimous All-American, the SEC Defensive Player of the Year, 6'2", 200 pounds. He's got the size, he's got the bloodlines, his father played in the league. He has basically everything that you're looking for in an NFL cornerback. 62208 32.5 arms 10 uh, inch hands Alabama associate defensive coordinator Charlie Charles Kelly compared Sertan to NFL cornerbacks Jalen Ramsey who Kelly coached at Florida State so there's uh, he could be the first cornerback off the board again fairly is going to be medical and then um and JC Horn's a guy that you know depending on what you're looking for but there are some lean long corners here um, they gave him a 7.2 grade Pro Bowl talent. I mean, just I mean, a guy he does more than just cover. I mean, he's good in the run defense and covering, forcing fumbles. He's just a very active player. So it wouldn't surprise me if um, he's one of the first corners off the bat off the board. You know, Dallas, where they do it, number 10, unless they trade up. Um, the comparison was, and I hope I don't butcher his name, Namdi Asamoah. Very good, MJ. Okay, thank you. Father was a Pro Bowl cornerback and is now a coach. Finished 38 consecutive starts at Alabama. We like to see that. He's got elite traits, so I think the uh, genes from his family is going to really help him at the next level. Yeah, it's always good when you can have a father who played the game and it's not nearly as big of a transition, if you will, from college 
to the National Football League. All right, our third Alabama players would continue counting down. And at number seven, Jalen Waddell, the wide receiver, second team all-conference selection this past season. He was limited because of a broken ankle, but did come back to play in the national championship game. Everyone goes back to what he did the year prior in 2019. All SEC plus special teams player of the year. And you've been on this for a while now the fact that he can return kicks return punts that special teams aspect that the cardinals have been missing over the last couple of years yeah i mean it, it again the more you can do but i would stand on the table for this guy if he was there at 16 five nine and a half 180 30.3 hands 9.1 and you know you just look at it you know talk about scc special teams player of the year honors by leading the fbs and punt return he had 20 returns, averaged 24.4 each return, one touchdown, and scoring once on a kickoff return. He had five returns for 175 yards, averaging 35. So more of a punt returner than a kick returner. Um, but he's really wide around the field. And you start looking at some of the uh, comps there. Comp is Tyreek Hill. I think we'd all sign up for that. I don't know. Tyreek Hill, they move him around. you got Travis Kelsey there. You have, you know, Sammy Watkins is no longer there. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes has a tendency to find these guys. So thrilling game-breaking talent who will come into the league as one of the fastest players to ever play the game his whereabouts pre-snap post-snap must be accounted for at all times despite the size he's a legitimate outside option thanks to his ability not to take the top off the defense but also go up and win the 50 50 throws cheat code speed to terrify a defense 11 of his 20 career touchdowns went for 50 plus yards a lot of Tyreek Hill in that description as you referenced his comp. And yeah, there's not a team in the National Football League that would not take a Tyreek Hill on their team right now. Weakness coming off an ankle injury, as you mentioned, never really tested in coverage in 2020. Will default to body catches on occasion. Had drops when the ball was on top of him quickly out of breaks. He hasn't faced too much press, according to personnel director in the AFC. That kind of speed changes everything when it comes to game planning for other guys. They have to account for him when he's on the field, and that's going to help the entire offense when you think about that. That came from a personnel director with an AFC team. Number one wide receiver on your big board as we continue to count it down. A run of Alabama players ends as we check in at number six, the number one tackle on the board, Panay Sewell out of Oregon did not play this past season. He opted out, but in 2019, unanimous All-American, first-team All-Pac-12 performer. He's basically been the number one offensive lineman for two years now because there are a lot of people believe that he had come out after 2019. He would have been a high first-round selection. This guy's a man, 6'5", 331. He's got like a fire hydrant legs, hands, 33. Point two. Again, you want 34, that's a half of an inch. Uh, that's his arms and his hands are 10.3. Um, according to Lance Zerline, his comp is Trent Williams. We know how effective Trent Williams has been in the with, with Washington. And of course, he re-signed with the uh, 49ers in the office. Rare breed tackle with good size and elite foot quickness to make most challenging more move blocks the game as an offer. He's an explosive athlete who is better at moving forward than backward at this point. His tape shows ability to singly handle spring touchdown runs, both long and short, with a wow block. 
He is someone to be impressed with. And when you're talking about protecting the blind side, Panay Sewell, it's going to be hard. And that's why I think there's a lot of people believe that if you are the Cincinnati Bengals at number five, you want to protect Joe Burrow, you protect as opposed to giving him another weapon, but protect him with Panay Sewell. So an impressive player considering his size at 6'6 and over 330 pounds. 20 years old with potential for growth, conservative vocal uh, game day leader in 2019. Now they say his weakness, average body type, play strength, pad level, outside hands, diminishing drive power, tendency to pop and fall off rather than clinch up and control the hands. Now, according to a national scout for an NFC team, he's a good kid, but he's immature as a worker. He might need a veteran to take him under his wing and help him learn to be a pro. Very few men who walk the earth have his size and athleticism, so he's worth any type of risk you think. You are talking about limited tape, though. Certainly impressive and something to pay attention to if he does get to number five or slip past the Bengals at number five. Let's recap here. Draft prospects 10 through 6. Micah Parsons, Devonta Smith, Patrick Sertan, Jalen Waddell, and Panay Sewell. That leaves us with the top five draft prospects in Mike Jarecki's top 50. And at number five, the first of what will be three quarterbacks we talk about, Trey Lance, North Dakota State. One start this past season, 18 career starts, but you look at what he did in 2019, MJ, 28 touchdown passes, zero, not a single interception. Yeah, and, you know, the fact that, you know, with COVID, he only played one game and there were scouts there, obviously, you know, from a distance or they were watching on television and then he had his pro day and they had another pro day. So, um, again, there's a lot of pressure just playing one game. But uh, you look at him, I mean, 6'4", 224, hands are 9.1. You know, you start looking at it um, when, you know, when he went to school there, well, the first thing that comes to mind is Carson Wentz. So he's shown the ability, uh, again, 6'4", 224, now, Lance Sterling's projected him clearly going the first round, could be in the top 15. Josh Allen, one-year starter who dazzled in 2019, as you said. Lance is mature for his age, but just 20 years old at the time when the NFL draft. He's a rare dual-threat quarterback that he's tasked with setting, setting his own protections and reading the full, full field. That's film junkie with a high football IQ and an NFL frame. Makes calls to set up his own protections, bouncy feet for accelerated pocket setups. Um, Ability to mentally recalibrate his attack when the play comes off schedule. So, a lot to like about him. Highly experienced with 318 pass attempts under his belt. Will be 20 years old again when he gets a draft. Gets a little lackadaisical on his feet uh, when the quick game comes. According to a personnel executive in the AFC, he hasn't played much football, but he's not where Carson Wentz was when he was coming out. He's talented and very smart. He needs an offense tailored to what he does best, and you really have to be patient with him. And that may be the case for the Niners, whether they take Mac Jones or Justin Fields, but sit for a while and kind of learn the position. Much like what the Kansas City Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, you have Alex Smith mentor him. But Trey Lance, certainly a lot of people have talked about him. A lot of people have discussed Justin Fields, who comes in at number four, Ohio State quarterback, two-time first-team All-Big Ten, two-time Big Ten champion, Heisman Trophy finalist this past year, 22 career starts. And he and Trevor Lawrence have been 1-2 for the last year and a half. But 
the more time that goes by, the more people have kind of picked apart Justin Fields. And, you know, that's kind of what happens around this time. But there are a lot of people believe that Fields, if not on the level of a Trevor Lawrence, he is certainly right underneath a Trevor Lawrence when you're ranking quarterbacks. Yeah, 6'3", 227, uh, hands are 9'1", arms are 32'5". You know, listen, uh, this guy took a beating in in one of their games towards the end of the season, and I thought he wasn't going to get up. And Next thing you know, all week they were wondering, was he going to play against Clemson? And, you know, is, is are they going to push the game back? And then he, he, he threw, I want to say, for 350 yards against Clemson. So, um you know, the reports are that, you know, he doesn't go through his check down or go through his reads. Listen, every young quarterback looks for his first read and then they improvise. Now, if you get, you know, you got a check down play, it goes in the flat or you got a safety net in the tight end or, or the slot guy. So it it happens. I would not begrudge him for that. It's just unfortunate that people won't put their name behind it. And sometimes they're doing it to, to lower his, um, you know, his profile. So maybe they're hoping he drops to them. But um, I, he played well in big games. Um, he went to a school where, you know, every week they're trying to knock you off. Big Ten player of the year for the second straight season. Um, the draft uh, comparison is Dak Prescott. Now, like Dak Prescott before, Field enters the league with a dual threat capabilities, is more of a pocket passer and the ability to extend plays with his legs when needed. Toughness, willingness to do what it takes on display. Never lost a Big Ten game as a starter. And vast improvement in 21 fumbles and pre-snap. But I, I was thoroughly impressed the way he came back in those games, and he was throwing darts. According to an NFL executive, he was inconsistent in 2020, but I'm not going to hold it against him. We teach quarterbacks to read coverage and concepts. That's what they have to do, initiate leadership and poise, and we'll have to determine if he has those qualities. The stage is not too big for Justin Fields. He's played in big game after big game at Ohio State, and he'll come into the National Football League and be a part of big games every Sunday. All right, down to three players as we continue our countdown here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Number three, Jamar Chase, LSU wide receiver. We did not see him on the field in 2020. He opted out. In 2019, however, six times he had 100-yard receiving games, three times 200-yard receiving games. Yes, he was the Bolitnikoff Award winner in 2019 and the number one wide receiver on many people's boards. Yeah, it's just he's a special player. Um, and we heard Kimes comp earlier. And Lance Zerline used Torrey Holt. You can't go wrong with Torrey Holt. And well-built, lower body, good weight room worker, smooth, sub, uh, subtitle, and, and explosive. Eight touchdown catches, 50-plus uh, yards in 2019. Um, they say big play, speed to the house on slants and over routes, and that's something the Cardinals offense has been missing, allowing Kyler Murray to throw, sit in the pocket and make these throws. He hasn't played football since early 2020. He still has a, work to, a lot of work to do, but he should be an early starter and a future Pro Bowl player. According to an executive, the way he accelerates is totally different level. He knows he can win one-on-ones, but once the coach puts more polish on him, he could be special. Could see certainly the Lions at, no, excuse me, the Dolphins at number six, taking Jamar Chase if he hasn't already been selected, maybe by the Falcons at number four. If that is, you know, still an option, um, it's certainly impressive when you talk about pass catchers because Jamar Chase 
the best wide receiver pass catcher. And then at number two on your list, the best non-quarterback on the board. And I don't think there's any debate about it. Florida tight end Kyle Pitts. He's been described as a unicorn, 6'6", 240 pounds this past season, 12 touchdowns in eight games. Steve Kime talked glowingly about Pitts and his skill set. No bird gang. He is not going to be an Arizona Cardinal. The Cardinals will not move up in the draft to acquire Pitts, but he is someone to pay attention to, and hopefully he does not wind up in the NFC West. Yeah, I can't tell you how many uh, Florida games I watched this year, and maybe it was more about Kyle Trask, and he, you know, but this is a difference maker. I mean, if, if you're Atlanta, this fits right to what Arthur Smith wants to do, and I think they'll draft a running back in the second round to go with Mike Davis. And you got Julio there and you got Calvin Ridley. Um, I think this is a perfect fit for Atlanta, but, you know, we'll see what, what uh, you know, Cincinnati does with the next pick. Do they try to protect, um, you know, Joe Burrow? They try to get some more weapons for him on the outside. But 6'6", 245, 33 and a half. His, his hands are 10.6. I mean, he grew up in Philadelphia and then he ended up transferring, but he ended up at Florida. As you mentioned now, uh, he missed the final three games due concussion and facial injury, decided not to play in Florida's uh, bowl game. Um, but just a big target. Uh, I don't think the Niners would have interest. I know you don't give up those draft picks uh, to go after when you're paying George Kittle and you just re-upped uh, Kyle Juszczyk. That's part of their offense. But according to Lance Zerline, a guy that's had a great story and he's really one of the better tight ends in football, Darren Waller. Okay. it's a good name. Yeah, challenging, um, according to uh, Zerline, when it comes to Pitts, challenging matchup who might require specialty defenders. Rare combination of speed, size, athleticism, and elite ball skills. Puts on the work on all three levels of the passing game. Allows offense to align him into mismatches against static coverage schemes. Keeps defender on his back foot when he accelerates on a route. So whoever gets this guy, hopefully he doesn't get hurt. He's going to have a nice long career. Some of the negatives are... Um, Injury history required examination again for suffering a three concussion or missed three games with a concussion. Below average instincts as a lead blocker, and I've listened to Wolf and Wolf likes him as a pass catcher, but he doesn't think he has the anchor. But when you look at his size, you know he's definitely more of a pass catcher. But he's two forty five. I like to see what George Kittle. But listen to ninety eight seven. Wolf does a good job. He likes him as a, but he doesn't know if he has the anchor to be out there seventy snaps a game. And I mentioned you hope that he doesn't wind up in the NFC West. I did read a Pitts interview earlier, and he thought that when the 49ers moved up to number three, he oh. might have been headed to San Francisco. So there was that perhaps, you know, connecting the dots there. But I think it's safe to say that Pitts will not be in the NFC West here for the foreseeable future. All right, that leads us to number one. And no surprise here, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback out of Clemson, he's basically been the presumptive number one pick since his freshman year in 2018. Mel Kuyper Jr. ranks Lawrence amongst the top quarterbacks he has ever scouted. John Elway, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, those four for Mel Kuyper Jr. have been the best coming out of college. We know they all were very good, some better than others, but that is, he's got lofty expectations on his shoulders, and we all anticipate he'll be headed to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, he recently got married, and um, according to reports, he already has a playbook, and so that's getting a fresh start. Um, 
You know, now it's just a matter of them calling his name and making sure he's available on draft day. I, th- I think he may be at Clemson. He's yes. not going to um, he's not going to Cleveland. 6'6, 213, 31 and a half, arms, 10 inch. Um, Lawrence broke Deshaun Watson's Georgia high school record career passing yards almost 14,161 touchdowns, won two state titles as a starter, and was the USA Today National Player of the Year as a senior. Lawrence and fellow quarterback prospect Justin Fields grew up 20 miles apart when they were the top two prospects in 2018 recruiting class. Um, These numbers are just, I mean, kind of like reminds me of Kyler Murray. Player with rare volume and high leverage games as a three-year starter, 86 in four record as a starter dating back to high school. Yeah, it's it's very impressive. He's got no, he's national probably, title, so yeah, right. He's probably the closest thing to I would say Andrew Luck when he came out. Uh, you know, sometimes they put prodigy on these guys: Peyton Manning, John Elway. So, um, uh, it says feet stayed calm while working the pocket. You know. Again, they got to give him some protection and some uh, weapons out there, but they had a really good running back last year. So I'm curious to see how Urban Meyer is going to do, um, you know, what kind of staff he's going to have because he, he runs this 2-4-6 thing where he every play you better get 2-4-6 yards. And it's not college football. They don't have the hash marks. So I'm curious to see. And, and we'll see the Jacksonville Jaguars at some point during the year. That is true. Speaking of which, and that kind of leads us to our last topic here on the show, but uh, take a deep breath, MJ. Your top 50 draft prospects, how do you feel going through the tape and putting these guys down and now putting your name attached to it? We'll see how successful things are next week, or I should say in a couple of weeks when we kind of do a little bit of a recap, but a lot of work went into it and I uh, tip my cap to you. Thank you very much. I enjoy doing it. And hopefully, you know, not to, when we got down to the 30 names, maybe you learn something from 31 to 50. And, you know, hopefully the Cardinals will have two of those picks and we'll see how many other teams have multiple picks in the first couple of rounds to kind of match it up. Last year, I had Isaiah Simmons third overall and I had just Josh Jones 30. Cardinals got two of those players. The Cowboys actually got two players. So it's I like it. It's not a mock draft. Uh, it's just what you hear and kind of rank the players and go from there. But I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it unfolds. Job well done. And we'll leave you with this, Berg gang. We talked about Trevor Lawrence and the Cardinals seeing Lawrence at some point this coming season. We will know for certainty, with 100% certainty, the win, because the 2021 schedule will be released on Wednesday, May 12th. 5 p.m. Arizona time, and I love the press release that the NFL sent out, MJ. The biggest season in the history of the National Football League, only because it's a 17-game regular season plus three preseason games. But, yes, we will know the schedule come Wednesday, May 12th at 5 p.m. So plan accordingly. It's a couple of weeks post-draft, second straight year that the schedule will come out in May. It's always a big deal. And, of course, we'll talk about it right here on Cardinals Cover 2. And we know the, the, the Cardinals and Browns will face each other in Cleveland. So you got Kyler Murray and uh, Baker Mayfield round two, so to speak, in the NFL. Um, you know, I'm always looking forward to, you know, the home opener. How do you finish the season? So I'm, I'm sure we'll have a lot to say uh, once the schedule comes out and we'll get your feedback because hopefully Cardinal fans can make some trips this year. I know the Bird Gang has done a good job traveling a little bit different and hopefully we'll have a full house uh, when it comes to the regular season and possibly the preseason. 
Knock on wood, that is exactly what happens in 2021. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.